You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. It is great to be back with you. Happy New Year for those who I have not been in contact with or maybe haven't been listening to Trending. I hope you guys are catching up because we've had some really fun episodes over the Christmas season uh, that you'll really benefit from, one of which we talked a lot about the four last things, heaven, hell, judgment. Uh, So if you want to dive into that, that is your teaser. You can figure out what that fourth last thing is if you do not know what it is. Uh, In the meantime, I have with me today Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center, president of the Magis Center, founder of so many great organizations and programs, including things such as the Napa Institute and numerous books behind his name. Thank you so much for being here with me, Father. Always great to be back, Timory. So you gave a commencement speech this past year at Christendom College, Mm -hmm. and you talked about three things that I think would be an awesome way to recenter our lives on the mystery of Christ and really putting our lives in context of where we're oriented with eternal life as our goal. And so those three same decisions, if you want to tease them out, we're going to be talking about them a little later in the show. Right. Um, It's sort of like a a little examine for the morning before you get going. And there are three questions that uh, you can ask yourself before the Lord, and I ask myself before the Lord. Uh, The first question is... um, Am I going to be contributive or comparative today as I proceed along my day? And there's two identity fulcrums I could have. I could actually be looking to make an optimal positive difference to people, or I can be comparing myself incessantly to people and sort of worried about where I stand or uh, if people are uh, are uh, um, subservient to me or uh, whatever I, uh, you know, might be my passion there. The second thing is just my attitude toward people. Am I going to be looking for the good news in others today, or am I going to be looking for the bad news in others? And as we'll see momentarily, unfortunately, the bad news is actually our default drive. It's more of our natural tendency, and so we mm-hmm. we want to you know, make sure we have that contextualized by the good news. The third uh, object, and you might think, well, this is perfectly obvious, but it it really isn't when you get into your day-to-day world. How do I make Christ the center of my life? How do I make the mindset of Jesus, the the heart um, set of Jesus, if I can call it that, uh, how do I make that the center of my life? How, How can I just bring Jesus back into the center so that it's not me in the center or, um, you know, some object that I desire in the center, a worldly object I desire in the center. So that's, uh, that's, those are basically the three uh, sort of questions I, I ask myself to reframe, you know, to reboot, as it were, before I go into the world and, 
sort of uh, can get dragged into the wrong perspective very, very quickly. This is an excellent practice that I hope that you will stay tuned as we'll be unpacking these three questions to help reorient your life in terms of Christ, in terms of others, and in terms of kind of just feeling an overall sense of satisfaction day to day, which who doesn't need that? And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. the holidays is a time where we feel so unfortunately dissatisfied. I know so many people go, you know, I'm not married. I don't have children. I'm not with, you know, getting the things that I want. I wish Mm -hmm. I had a different job. It's kind of one of those moments where people, I think, unfortunately, tend to compare more than they should. So we'll be coming up Mm -hmm. on that. I want to start, though, by talking about the idea of mystery and mercy. And the reason I want to talk about this, Father Spitzer, is you and I were just speaking a moment ago about that show on Netflix called The Two Popes that everyone is discussing. (laughs) Uh, I know you haven't seen it, but you've heard some of the reviews about it. Yeah. Well, uh, in the reviews I heard, which were not that flattering, um, they indicated that um, uh, you know, Pope Francis was certainly given a, a, a you know sort of a fair and flattering shake, but uh, unfortunately, um, at, uh, Pope Benedict uh, did not get uh, as fair a shake, uh, and as a matter of fact, sometimes appeared uh, almost callously and carelessly from a historical point of view uh, in a negative light. Right. And um, you know that you know I mean, there's no offense at all to po- to uh, Pope Francis. I mean, he's 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 clearly a, a person of immense, um, you know, mercy and a, a person of immense uh, capability. Um, and I think, you know, his virtue should have been shown uh, there. But it's always unfair to use a, a comparison fulcrum, which can put um, other attributes, um, you know, uh, to a, well, in, in a very artificially bad light. And so, um you know, uh, Pope Benedict was more uh, of a theological, uh, uh, you know, uh, a person. He is a person that was very, very much involved in what might be called the mysterium. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, these are the words that he, he used himself, the, the mystery of Christ manifest not only in the gospel, but in the sacred liturgy and in the church itself, uh, in, in the communion that, that's manifest in the church itself. And his encyclicals, even Caritas at, Ver- at Veritate, and mm-hmm. and um, uh, all of his encyclicals really uh, emphasized, uh, you know, this point. And unfortunately, uh, those virtues were sort of put in a bad light along with Pope Francis, right. according to these reviews. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That is Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You know, it was interesting because over the Christmas vacation, I had the opportunity to watch a little more television and movies than I usually would. And one of the things we did watch was actually The Two Popes. And the way you just kind of explained it really stood out to me in an interesting way because I was noticing in a lot of the content... A lot of TV shows and movies try to cross over into Catholicism, including the two popes. But the one thing they avoid is the mystery of the faith or even the Mm -hmm. idea of, let's say, Eucharistic communion. Right. These Mm -hmm. are ideas they won't touch, yet they'll overemphasize and focus completely on mercy. And it was so interesting to me because I think that we need a little more of the mystery of our Catholic faith, both in our evangelization in in terms of what we can't uh, talk about, but also in our own lives. Sometimes we ourselves as Catholics overemphasize mercy and forget that there is a transcendent dimension to who we are. And there's a transcendent being far beyond what we can fathom in God. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times in the culture, a lot of young people, no, a lot of people of every age, 
will experience a profound sense of spiritual or cosmic emptiness, loneliness, alienation, and guilt. And they don't know why. They don't know what's missing. Something is uh, missing in their lives, and they feel it in terms of emptiness or loneliness or uh, you know, alienation. What's missing, of course, is, is God. What's missing is a relationship with this ultimate uh, mysterious figure, uh, what Rudolf Otto once called the mysterium tremendum, right? You know, that immense God, the creator, the one into whom and for whom and toward whom uh, we, we were meant to be. Uh, in Augustine's words, for thou hast made us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And the non-recognition of this relationship with this high mystery, this relationship with this being uh, who has created us for himself uh, in, in the sense of not to enslave us, but to be liberated by him and to be set free and to be completely fulfilled, not only with him, but with one another through him. Uh, if we forget that transcendent element, uh, we, we forget a huge amount in our lives. It, it really affects us. Mm. We were not meant to be this worldly creatures. We're filled with the sense of sacredness. We're filled with the sense of mystery. Human beings are homo religiosus, religious people by nature. Mm-hmm. And, and so in, in a way, uh, you know, to, to forget this sense of our religiosity, of our, our relationship with God, and our relationship with one another through God, which we call the mystical body uh, in, in, in Catholicism or Christianity, to forget about the mystery of the church throughout the ages and, and really the ethos, the soul of the saints that are coursing through our veins, through our souls as well, that we have a sense of all these uh, individuals, and in, 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 you know, not only in history, but in their presence now, almost as right. if the whole panoply is present to us. You know, if we forget that, we lobotomize ninety percent of our, you know, being. I mean, we turn ourselves into to you know mere in like in flatland. We reduce ourselves from three-dimensional to two-dimensional creatures. And I think for me, one of the things that I have to challenge myself to do is to be in awe of the things around me, be in awe, yes, of the mercy and reconciliation, but not just the mercy, Mm -hmm. that God is literally acting in persona Christi Mm -hmm. when that priest is forgiving our sins, to be in awe of the Mm -hmm. mystery of communion, being able to receive our Lord, body and blood, the Mm -hmm. awe of Christmas, all these different things. But I also think Mm -hmm. sometimes Sometimes we miss this by not being in awe and wonder enough, just looking at nature and how mm-hmm. things grow and the plants and the animals all around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not, uh, I mean, it's the beauty of nature, yes, it's the awe of just the intelligibility and the, right. the, the elegance of, you know, all the balance of nature and its complexity and it, yet its simplicity. All of those things do point to God, but also in the midst of all of that, there is also something that's just pointing beyond itself to the creative hand. You're listening to Trending with Timory. If you're not able to be with us for the full episode here with Father Robert Spitzer, we'll be diving into the three sane decisions to help you save your soul. So be sure to head over to www.radiotrending.com where you can listen to all episodes of Trending. 
Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. I'm back. We're going to be diving with Father Robert Spitzer into the first of the three sane decisions to help you save your soul. I hope that you'll really take this in the new year and bring it into a part of your daily routine. If you want to learn more about Father Robert Spitzer and his work, you can head over to www.magiscenter.com. Again, that's magiscenter. It's spelled M-A-G-I-S center.com. Father Spitzer, you gave this commencement speech at Christendom College, and I received the outline of the presentation in the uh, publication that Christendom College puts together called Principles. Mm -hmm. I'd love to dive into the first of these three questions that you actually ask yourself daily yeah, to yeah. get your day started yeah and it's uh, again it's you, you have to give yourself a reminder of who you are at the beginning of the day because you have options and if you just let the day rip it out of you without being conscious of who you want to be uh, you can find yourself being the opposite of who you want to be so the first thing is is you know we've, we've basically got a choice in our lives Either we can be contributive, that is to say, we're going to be asking ourselves the question, how can I make an optimal positive difference to my family, to my friends? How do I make an optimal positive difference to my church, to the kingdom of God, to, to my community, to the students I work with, or uh, you know, to uh, the culture, the larger culture and society, if I'm so lucky? But uh, am I going to be the kind of guy who's focused this morning and this afternoon Am I going to be the kind of guy who's focused on making a difference, making an optimal positive difference to family, to friends, to the kingdom of God, to my church, etc.? Or am I going to go the old cultural route? Am I going to be looking for who's achieving more, who's achieving less, who's got more power, who's got less power, who's more beautiful, who's less beautiful, who's more intelligent, who's less intelligent, who's got more status, who's got less status, who's more popular, who's less popular, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I mean, that's where we're going to get sucked into. That's how the world will just rip it right out of us if we don't conscientiously you know, determine that we are going to become contributors. So I ask myself, who am I going to be this morning? But I do this in my prayer. I do it before the Lord. Am I going to be a contributive guy this morning or an ego comparative guy this morning? And if I don't get that down with the Lord right at the beginning, ego comparative can come out of me so easily. All I have to do is hear one little slight and I'm back into it. So that's the first choice, and if we don't do it, you know, we wind up just living a life beneath ourselves and in a lot of anxiety, I might add. Absolutely. Well, and I think of this in terms of the state that so many people find themselves in, and they tend to define themselves according to this. You know, we live in a time where few and fewer people are getting married. A lot of people aren't even dating. A lot of people are having difficulty conceiving children. We have people who experience, especially men, a lot of career dissatisfaction. And so then we begin to compare in terms of what other people have. And I'll hear people say, well, I'm not 
envious. I'm not jealous of that person. There's just something I really want. And so even if you're kind of battling that jealousy and envy, I see a lot of people are sitting there just constantly focusing on what they don't have. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really come back to the idea of the singleness in the culture. Unfortunately, that comparativeness is preventing many people from taking these single years or this time not having children or whatever it might be to really grow in their faith and truly contribute in your own unique way to the society. Yeah, that's really true. And I think what winds up happening instead of trying to use those, you know, these these precious those precious years when you're when you're single, when you have some time, when you can just kick back and, and just reflect on, you know, who you want to be and how you want to grow and in meaning and purpose in life, unfortunately, they get distracted eternally by Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is right. that they're distracted by. And then they're building this facade to impress everybody that they really are a put together, happy, kind of person and that they really are keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, it's ego comparison par excellence. And when you get to that point where you can't even break away from who's achieving more or less, more status, less status, you're constantly taking selfies, uh, you know, in some <laughs> newer, better context to impress everybody. You don't have any time to reflect on why you're so miserable. Yeah. And by the way, 51% increase uh, in suicides over the last 15 years among our uh, millennials and Gen Xs and yeah. Gen Zs, you know, 51% increase in 15 years and a 46% increase in depression in the last 15 years, the same generation, just saying something is wrong. Uh, you know, when you look at those studies, and what's wrong is that we're not breaking out of ego comparative identity. We're, in fact, enslaved by it. And Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, solidify that uh, enslavement. And um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, mm -hmm. we're not only miserable, we're making other people miserable. And we live a thoroughgoingly meaningless, superficial life that never gets to the heart of faith, never gets to the heart of contribution, never gets to the heart of, you know, uh, not only my salvation, but helping others to get to their salvation, never gets to the heart of what a truly mm -hmm. meaningful, purposeful life could be. That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Timory. If you're enjoying the show, know that you can pull this episode up on iTunes. You can even watch live when we're in studio on Tuesdays on Instagram and Facebook. But whatever social media and podcasting app you like to listen on, you can find us there and share. You can even text a link to this episode to someone who you might know is struggling. I think we've all been there where we're kind of in this rut. Maybe we're doing good and then all of a sudden, maybe we have a Christmas vacation. And yeah. next thing you know, we're spending five hours a day on on Facebook. Maybe you're one of those people who instead of posting a lot on social media, you're kind of one of those creepers in the background. Come on, I know who you are, where you don't like anything. You don't comment and you don't post. I know uh -huh. who you are, but uh -huh. you sit there looking at everyone. Uh -huh. And at a certain point, you can only look at that for so long before it starts to weigh on you. And I think oh, that yeah. it's interesting, Father, because when I was a little girl, I could not stand uh, gossip magazines because there was an element of comparison, but then also such an element of gossip in them. Mm -hmm. You don't even need gossip magazines anymore. Yeah. You have at your fingertips on social <laughs> media perpetually, so, and it's actually people you know now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, you can be... Uh, 
a person just uh, immersed in that sort of superficial life of just, you know, being jealous or envious or angry or resentful or, you know, uh, you know, and or being a braggart and filled with vanity and pride and greed. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, but, you know, of course, you just noticed I listed four out of uh, eight deadly sins. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's really a, it's a very unfortunate turn of events. And, and when it becomes addictive and our pleasure centers are being controlled uh, literally by how many times we turn on that darn, uh, um, you know, a smartphone, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just amazing. I mean, we are enslaving ourselves to what is beneath us. We should actually be, you know, taking some time to go on a retreat, discover God, you know, think about what's going to make my life really worth living. What do I want to do for the world, for my family, for my friends? What do I want to do for my church, for the kingdom of God before I leave this world? How do I want to make the world an optimally, optimally better place for my having lived instead of just being someone who got a lot of likes on Facebook. Yeah. And I think that the answer to this question is going to be different for everyone. But here's mm-hmm. my question that I want to pose. What is it going to take for you to get out of the rut that you're in? Because some people just stick to this miserable type of rut that just mm-hmm. keeps going and going. You're driving the car. You're actually in control. Sure, there are things that you can't control. There are lots of things you can't control, but you can control how you react to it. You can control what you do with your time. You can control how you mm-hmm. optimize your time, even if there are things that are really difficult that you need to spend time on. What does it take? Is it a retreat like Father's saying? Is it you know setting aside more time for prayer? Is it maybe that you need to get outside and walk? more like what is it for you yeah in fact that's a great set of questions you know when i talk with the students uh, college students i basically you know have you know three things that i i just ask them to ask themselves the first thing i say okay is do a self-examination test here how many of you are feeling jealousy fear of failure fear of loss of esteem How many of you are feeling self-pity one moment and then the next moment ego comparative satisfaction and smugness? How many of you are feeling contempt at one moment and then, you know, and and disdain for others at one moment and then inferiority at the next moment? How many of you are just swinging back and forth between self-pity and smugness, between inferiority and superiority? How many of you are into the ego rage and ego blame game? How many of you are just overcome by anger and resentment? If you're feeling these feelings, along with a lot of emptiness and loneliness and alienation, the deep part of your soul, you've got ego comparative identity disorder. That's what I call it. Now, of course, that's not a clinical term. That's a Spitzerian term. But just remember this, ego comparative identity disorder. Mm-hmm. you got to rip yourselves away from it. Uh, you know, say you're going to spend some more time in prayer, or I'm going to get to, you know, daily mass, you know, once a week, or whatever it may be. You gotta start breaking free from not just the Instagram and the Facebook. Break free from ego comparative identity, and the best way to do that, just put together this little list for yourself. How do I want to make an optimal positive difference to my family? 
How do I want to make an optimal positive difference to my friends? How do I want to make an optimal positive difference to my community? How do I want to make an optimal positive difference to my church and the kingdom of God? How do I want to make an optimal positive difference in my workplace? But just start trying to think about, this is what I really want to do with my life. Not be better than others, make an optimal positive difference to others. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I'm back and we're talking about those three sane decisions to help you save your soul. Change what you're doing in the new year. What has you in a rut that you are not able to get out of? Whether you're in that ego comparative disorder place that Father Spitzer was just talking about. We're going to dive into the second of the third sane decisions to help you save the soul. And it's centered around the good news. Go ahead and share it with us, Father. Right. This is, um, you know, the first thing is, how am I looking at my life? Am I going to be contributive today or ego comparative today? So that's really what you might call, you know, your worldview, your Weltanschauung, you know, your, you know, what, what am I looking for in life and in the world? The second one we're doing now, there's a second question, how am I going to look at others? Or better, what am I looking for in other people? And this is another fundamental attitude, and we got to make a decision in the morning. So am I going to look for the good news in others today, or am I going to look for the bad news in others? Now, here is the challenge. The bad news is the default drive. Mm-hmm. The bad news is so easy to look at. Right? It is. So when you're, <laughs> you know, when you're, you're, you're looking for what's irritating, weak, stupid, and unkind— you know, which it's really easy to look for because I mean, it's just blaring out at you. It's irritating you. And so when you, when you see these things, then obviously if you get fixated on them, then it just colors your whole view of not just that person, but people in general. And unfortunately, like I said, the bad news is so easy to focus on. I mean, marriages literally teeter and fall <laughs> on the fact that People just stop looking for the good news in their spouse, and they just get fixated on the bad news, and that's all they can do. Now, here's what this very famous French philosopher, Catholic philosopher, said. Uh, Gabriel Marcel was his name, a French philosopher. And uh, he said, look, you can't look for the good news in the other and the bad news in, in the other simultaneously. The good news will always contextualize the bad news, but the bad news will always kind of wipe out the good news. Mm. Then he made another observation. And the other observation was, if you are looking for the bad news in somebody, you will never empathize with them. And if you don't have any empathy for them, right, that sympathetic vibration where you really care about what happens to that other person, you really recognize them as not only precious in the eyes of God, but precious in themselves as well, that you see their intrinsic goodness and lovability. If you can't get to that empathy, you're never going to form a unity with that other, whereby doing the good for them is just as easy, if not easier, than doing the good for yourself. In other words, that's the definition of love. I mean, what Marcel was telling us is, hey, you know, if you don't look for the good news, then you're not going to empathize. If you don't empathize, you're not going to love. 
That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Timur. You know, Father, as you're saying this, I keep thinking of this crisis of friendship in our mm-hmm. culture. And when you just said you're never going to enter kind of into that union and relationship with other people. Well, here we are, a time where people are so lonely, isolated, mm-hmm. disconnected from family, disconnected from friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, marriages are so difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's because we're not willing to see the good in other people. And I think part of this comes from the challenge. And you see this mm-hmm. in a lot of studies where a lot of people have grown up now in broken homes, multiple generations mm-hmm. of broken homes, and they don't see the good in themselves. And so how can they see the good in others? Mm-hmm. You're the only one that can shake yourself out of that. And I think that that's what's so great about thinking of our Catholic faith is we emphasize freedom. You are free no matter what you have experienced. Now battle out of whatever you're experiencing, whether it's sin, it's bad habits, these vices. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, it compounded on not just the broken homes, but if you if you think that you live in this Facebook identity, you know, what I call ego comparative identity disorder, yeah. right? You know, if you're living in that culture, think of this all the time. You know, if you got to be better than others in order to have a sense of dignity or at least keep up mm. with the Joneses in order mm-hmm. to have a sense of self-worth, guess what? You're going to be looking for the bad news and other. You're going to be absolutely relieved to know bad news over there. I'm going to be. I, I'm going to shine a little bit more in comparison to that person. And, and so you wind up looking for the bad news in the other, and it just makes empathy impossible. And that's where loneliness comes from. You can't love others, and you won't let them love you. So you're going to be lonely by definition. Yeah. So. I mean, you've got a double problem. Yeah. And this is hard because I think sometimes, again, we start with the bad news. We're looking for what we dislike. Maybe there's that one person who's just getting on your nerves, whatever Mm -hmm. it might Mm be. But if instead we go and, okay, well, maybe they did try in this way. Or look, they actually, this is a really neat part of their personality Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. You're going to start to warm and soften, as you say, have that empathy toward the other person. Mm -hmm. But I see this, you mentioned it briefly, in marriage. I mean, I could Mm -hmm. come home and I could see how the dishes aren't done. This isn't done you know, and I could look Mm -hmm. at everything, but then I can miss that, you know, someone helped make the bed or someone helped tidy these parts of the house up, you know, and I think sometimes we expect perfection from people, but we ourselves can't even expect perfection from ourselves. Oh yeah. And I mean, uh, so, uh, well, that's part of it, you know, and I I always say you have a little wish list or, you know, a category list so you can kind of refocus and reset very, very quickly. And, and so, um, you know, I've got this little list. It, it sort of runs along these lines. Uh, the number one um, thing I'm looking for is, uh, f- you know, if I'm looking for the good news, what, what are some of the things to focus mm, on? Mm-hmm. That's now, helpful. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first thing is, well, what are, what are their strengths? So I, I'm trying to look at, you know, their intrinsic strengths. What are the little good things they do and try to do? So as you were just putting it, um, you know, what, what, what did they do? Were they straightened up? They did this. They got this, right. uh, you know, and, and so forth. So we can see just focus on the little good things that they're, they're doing or trying to do. Can I give one in this set as yeah. well? And I think it's helpful for women because we com- tend to compare from a perspective of physical looks as well. Oh, yeah. You know, if you see someone, they've got a beautiful pair of earrings on, you like their shirt, whatever it is, yeah. compliment them. That's going to warm you to them. But that's yeah. also going to give some confidence in the other person. And it's mm-hmm. so small materialistic, but I think it's a step in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Complimenting people is a really good idea. Thanking people is Uh, a hugely important thing. So, you know, during the day when you 
just any little thing, you know, where somebody just makes an extra effort or just, you know, manifests consideration. I just thank them for it, and and that gets to a, another area which uh, on the on the list, and and that is you know, what I call gratuitous acts of kindness, you know, and and I just focus on when you know somebody doesn't have to be kind, but they do something very loving, even if it's just like here's a cookie, you know, or whatever, you know, and you, you sort of, gee, thanks, you know, I mean, but it was it was not necessary. It's just sort of like gratuitous acts of kindness. And then a lot of the time, people just have so much forbearance with me, you know, and, and, and so I, I try to focus on, you know, the, the times when they're, the, you know, they had forbearance or forgiveness, you know, uh, you know, and, that, and that's a great quality. And I thank them for that, too. And then, you know, don't forget delightful idiosyncrasies. You know, I mean, there are just things about people that are delightful mm-hmm. and they're the foundation oftentimes of buddydom. You yes. know, I mean, that that idea of just, you know, <laughs> you know, I like being around this guy because he's goofy in this way. And, you know, it's a, but it's 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 like he's fun to be around for this goofy reason. But, you know, whatever it may be, you know, those things are things to focus on, too. And then I never forget their transcendental capacities. Remember that we have, in our own unique ways, a desire for perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and home. And if you start focusing on the fact that this person in front of me is a unique deep-sea fish, they're a unique transcendental desire machine. Mm. They're a unique transcendental awareness machine. They've got God as their horizon right in their consciousness right now. And and they're yearning for that perfect truth, love, goodness, beauty, and, and being that is God himself. And and you you look at that and it's all there are very different ways in which this comes out. But boy, it's not just meant for this world. They are transcendental, eternal, loving creatures, intelligent creatures right before me that, you know, even though it's manifest in ways sometimes very different from my own, you know, this is a transcendental mystery. Human beings are mysteries. They're not problems. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, wow. you know, it's the good news reveals that, the mystery Whereas the bad news, unfortunately, only reveals the problem. I want to repeat that. Human beings are mysteries, not problems. And I think that so often we focus on what is problematic with the world rather than mm-hmm. seeing this person who is actually created in the image and likeness of God. I mean, that's oh, hard yeah. to think about. And I mean, even our Catholic brothers and sisters, these are people who are receiving the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can't mm-hmm. we at least honor and respect Christ within them? Oh, yeah. And that's a big challenge to us. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking is the importance of silence mm-hmm. uh, in this context, but not just mm-hmm. actual silence in terms of like, maybe we just don't say something something to someone, but quieting down our thoughts. I've been reading the book, uh, The Power of Silence by Cardinal Sarai. I've been slowly Mm. reading it. I've finally been making headway. I'm almost to the end. Um, It's so good because it's slow and it's very meditative Mm. and it talks about so many areas about how we can be better at not just being quiet and not just, you know, seeking after the quiet, but quieting ourselves so that we can actually be in the quiet presence of our Lord. And I think that this is really necessary in order to be able to see the good news in others. Otherwise, we're perpetually trying to talk ourselves out of seeing it. Yeah, and, and that's right. And, and, you know, that quiet 
contemplative presence with the Lord, it, it makes you much more contemplative and thoughtful and prudent. Virtues just naturally rise to the surface when you have that contemplative framework, and that contemplative fr- framework can come from prayer itself. That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. Coming up, we'll be talking about the third of the three sane decisions to help you save your soul. In the meantime, if you haven't left a review on iTunes of Trending, please pull up Trending with Tim Ray on iTunes. Go give us a good five-star review. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. We're back. We'll be diving into the third of the three same decisions to help you save your soul. You do not want to miss this. First, a message about our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You get to choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPR technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. Again, that's SolidarityHealthShare.org. With me in studio today is Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You can learn more about him and his work. He has so many incredible resources available for free online. In addition to his books that can be found anywhere where books are sold, including Amazon, head over to magiscenter.com. That's M-A-G-I-S center.com. You can also head over to the show notes to find links to Father Robert Spitzer's work. Father, I want to dive into this third of the three same decisions to help you say your soul. Maybe you can summarize the first two first mm-hmm. or just repeat what they are. Yeah. The, the first decision in the morning is, am I going to be a contributive person or am I going to be an ego comparative person? The second is, am I going to look for the good news in the other or am I going to look for the bad news in the other? The third is, how am I going to put Jesus Christ in the center of my life today so that Bob Spitzer does not become the center or something even worse like some worldly uh, uh, prize does not become the center of, of my life. So um, how do we do this? I mean, you know, for me, it, there, there's two components. I've seen this in the culture. You know, the, the first thing is if we don't have what's called intellectual conversion, if we don't have an intellectual conviction that God and Jesus and the Blessed Virgin are out there, you know, and no, they're just right here present now. If we don't have that intellectual conviction, it's really hard to put Jesus in the center. It's really hard to put God in the center. So what we have to do is just get the evidence we need. And um, as Timory was saying, uh, you know, if, if, if you want to have more evidence for God than you ever knew what to do with, evidence that comes from philosophical proofs, evidence that comes from science, evidence that comes from peer-reviewed medical studies of near-death experiences, even evidence for the historicity and resurrection of Jesus from the Shroud of Turin, etc. Please just go to modgiscenter.com or crediblecatholic.com. Just look at some of the 21st and 20th century scientifically validated miracles. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable, really, what's out there. 
and just get your confidence. God is here. God exists. God is present. Jesus is here. Jesus exists. He's present. So get that intellectual conviction. But the, the, the second thing that's really important is to get that prayer life going. And so, you know, that's the part of having a, a, a contemplative prayer life in the morning is not just how am I going to put Jesus in the center of my life. I want to, to say this prayer. And I always begin my prayer with saying, Lord, I know you are here. I know you love me. And then I just kind of detail, you know, this is very Jesuitical, right? I detail the ways in which I'm thankful to, to the Lord. You know, thank you for creating me with this eternal soul. Thank you for giving me this, this possibility of eternal salvation and happiness with you. Thank you for giving me my family and my friends and the gifts you've given me. I, I, I thank him right then, then and there. There's nothing like gratitude, said St. Ignatius of Loyola, to instill and inspire love. And so once I've done the sort of thank yous, I, I come and I just say, forgive me for the stupidities of yesterday and many days before that and, and the sins of yesterday and, and so forth. But just if you can just sort of get that out at the beginning— I know you are here. I know you love me. Thank you for X and Y and Z. Forgive me for A and B and C. And I love you too. And then I do it. Secondly, I do it for Jesus. I say the very same prayers. But I focus my thanksgiving on slightly different things. So I'll just say, uh, Lord Jesus, I know you are here and I know you love me. And then I go on to say, thank you for coming to be with us. And here we are in the Christmas season still, you know, celebrating, you know, uh, the, the incarnation and birth of Jesus. So I say, thank you for coming into our world. Thank you for, you know, taking on the, 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 the finitude of our humanity and the pain of our humanity to give us instruction on, on how to proceed and where to go. And thank you for, uh, you know, enduring all the terrible sufferings of your passion and cross. Thank you for loving sinners and, and, and the sick and showing us what love truly is. Thank you for manifesting your resurrection, which shows us the resurrection to which we're called. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Then I, I, I repeat those little things about forgiveness, and I say, I love you too. When I'm done, that's all you really need to do. You're, you're set. Jesus is in the center of your life. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That is Father Robert Spitzer. Again, those websites he mentioned, CredibleCatholic.com and MagisCenter.com are resources for you to dive deeper. He has these resources, exactly what he's saying. He has written out in various modules on the website as well mm -hmm. for studying, for praying. And I love how you talk about gratitude as being so important, Father, because I know it's so easy for people to get bitter to, you know, we're talking about that ego comparativeness at the beginning of the show and how we need to live contributively. But if we can't even be grateful for what we have, it's hard to get there. And I know sometimes there are, are periods of time where I know, you know, I'm going to grab my rosary before I go to bed and on every bead, not praying the rosary, I'm going to say thank you. I'm something I'm thankful for, mm -hmm. whether it's a person, a quality in a person, you know, mm -hmm. something I have all it's these different, idea. you know, opportunities mm -hmm. to suffer. It's a way to kind of clear your mind at the end of the day. If you mm -hmm. find yourself getting worked up on what you don't mm -hmm. have and what you want. That's right. And sometimes, you know, I've 
you know, have you ever had that experience where, you know, you're just so ticked off at the, <laughs> the end of the day? I mean, X went wrong. Joe Blow insulted me. I got no support for this thing, which I had expected. And you're just going to bed and you're going, I got my chops busted today. And you kind of, well, anyway, I whine, you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm, and I can get pretty darn angry, too. You know, the best antidote is to just start being thankful mm -hmm. and to just start, you know, saying, Lord, you know, when, when you go through that, you know, when I go through that little litany, you know, uh, you know, Lord, I, uh, you know, I know you're here. I know you love me. And then I go into the thank you. I just do those thank yous. And all of a sudden, you know what I mean? The Thanksgiving <laughs> motive, it gets you out of you know, that frame of mind where you're just right. ticked off, you know. And it's, <laughs> well, and I find I'm not as important anymore. You, know, oh, you have yeah, all yeah. these things, like how can I be so blessed to have these people, yeah. these things, these personalities, these traits in people, these yeah. opportunities to love you, the gift of my faith. I mean, yeah. we are so yeah. incredibly blessed, which again, that re-centers us Mm -hmm. around God. You know, you're talking about that third day sane mm -hmm. decision to help you save your soul. Today, I'm going to make the Lord the center of my life and not the world. And I think uh, of this in terms of the Old Testament and how, you know, some of the Jewish feasts, one of them was the offering of the first fruits, the mm -hmm. best of what they had. Same yeah. with Cain and Abel. Part of the reason why uh, Cain killed Abel is he was jealous and worked up because Abel comes up and gives uh, the very best of his offerings. Yeah. Well, that's what we're called to do. So are you giving the Lord your best at the optimal times in your day. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I agree. And I, I think that just contextualizes everything. You know, I mean, you know, if you're grateful, you know how much you've been loved. And if you know how much you've been blessed and loved, you, you love in return. You give the best of your day very instinctively. And, and so I think it's really important in the morning to, to have that sense of gratitude for everything because the moment you do you you know i'm blessed if i'm blessed i'm loved and and if i'm loved then you know lord i love you too it just comes right outside of you and you want to give your best fruits as it were it's it, it's not forced it's just there there's this a book that i was actually re recently listening to the patrick coffin show and he has this uh, guest in near aisle. I don't know if I said the last name correctly, mm -hmm. but the book is called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. And I really enjoyed the book because it really talks about one of the key areas, and we know this, but we forget to do it, really taking time to plan your day out according to your time. We say all the time that our time is the greatest resource and most valuable thing we have. Well, are you intentionally saying, okay, this two hours is going to be dedicated to this work project. Mm -hmm. This half an hour is going to be dedicated to prayer. If you do not plan to make the time, this will be another year that you fail at putting Christ as the center of your life. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I see I am very task oriented. And so I've got, you know, the 10 goals and the 10 goals each have, uh, you know, 10 steps or tasks to get to the goal or whatever it is. So you got this hundred a bunch point, of point, daily point, checklist. Yeah, you got to get these things, you know, done and and so forth. But they're all practical. And here's the problem: a relationship with the Lord, or a relationship with one's spouse, or a relationship with friends. That's not like getting tasks done. Mm. And so, you know, I can get pulled into the. That's done. 
that yeah. one's done and it's just crossed off the list, right? And, and of course, you get this great elation that, man, did I have a productive day today. But you got to make time for prayer, got to make time for relationships and friends. If you don't prioritize that over the tasks, it'll never get done and you'll be the sorrier for it. Put these three same decisions at the heart of your life, at the heart of your day-to-day. Ask these three questions at the beginning of your day. Three same decisions to help you save your soul. Thank you for listening with Father Robert Spitzer of the Maja Center. Again, you can follow him in his work at majacenter.com or follow them on social media. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 